0: He is beyond... Dis- Doctors would call him depressed, and that's the term that he uses here in this passage. I am depressed. I'm pressed down. He states that fact again in verse 11, as we see the same words. He states that in Psalm 43. So if you don't get the point, three different times he says, look, my soul is passed down. And if, if you don't get the idea... Three different times, look, I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. In Psalm and verse 6, uh, so this isn't. He said, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. The words bowed down in that passage are the same words used here. And then he said this in Psalm 30, 38, 6. I go mourning all the day long. Doesn't that sound like a depressed guy? I mean, his whole day. All the time, he's struggling, and in his struggle and in this yes depression, he's talking, And I said that that's something that um, that some well at least sometimes I do it. And some of you at least were willing to admit it. Some of you don't admit it, but uh, that's all right. I know you probably do it anyway. As you're driving home from work, you talk to yourself. You have good conversation with yourself, right? No, he's talking to himself. Here's the truth. I have found. A lot of times, depressed people do talk to themselves. Uh, in observation, in, in dealing with people and just observing people throughout life, I found that depressed people are really good at talking about their problems, and many times they talk to themselves about their problems. And that's the reason they end up getting into, uh, if you would, a depressed state. Not all the times, but why do they do that, and why do people like that often talk to themselves? Here's why. They feel like they're the only ones there in, in your problems you, you just no one understands and here's what happens then when someone's in that state you know what they do they withdraw they withdraw society they withdraw from people they avoid conversations they time with people here's here's the reason why David describes really well what we would describe as someone who classically is is depressed down, down in the dumps, the weight of things that are going on in life have gotten them down, and so what do they do? They withdraw, and they just start talking to themselves. And what is so amazing about this passage is David is really honest about this. He lets you look in at his, uh, I, the term we'd probably use is pity party. I'm cast down. And he's talking to himself, and he says, you cast down. Why are you depressed? Have you ever ever you ever had that? Okay, you don't have to, don't have to nod your head this morning. But you probably have had that conversation. You know, why do I feel so bad? Why? Why am I so down? And why am I encouraged about things? Uh, why am I despairing? Uh, you've had those kind of things go on in your life, and many times depressed people get alone and they rehash all their troubles. But what we find in this passage is. Uh, very instructive and helpful because you know how people get into depression they allow their thoughts to take them through what they truly are why am i cast out man things are bad things are miserable and it, it begins what many call and and have described i've heard it described as a, a downward spiral into depression because the time we spend thinking is about all our problems and our troubles but what we passage. And what is so helpful about this passage is we learn get out of depression, you're going to have to work at your thinking and you can. You see, it's thinking that gets a person into a depressed state where they want to quit on life and just stop doing anything whatsoever like I'm buried up with troubles. I don't need any more troubles. Leave me alone. And they want to escape from from life, and their thinking just continues to take them further down. I don't feel like doing the dishes today, and so the dishes pile up. I don't feel like doing the laundry today, so the clothes pile up. I don't feel like taking care of this. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like, man, things are really bad. And that spiral just builds to the place where I'm depressed, I'm down. I don't want to do anything. And God says, there's. A and that's what's great. And the, the way out is hope in God. Well, you're making it too simplistic. Okay, fair enough. But this passage is going to teach us a lot of things that we need to know. That was the state in which he was in. And he also. Look, your thinking will take you away from God and discourage you and get you down. But your thinking also can get you out. You will take stock of where you're at and you will do what is taught in this passage. Then you can come out of and you don't have to live in the state of depression. So we have the confession of depression. He was downcast. And there's one other thing. We find nothing about David's problems going away. Do you know what most people who, who find themselves in a depressed state are saying? Look, the reason they're depressed is because they don't see any way out. They don't see that it will it, it will ever change, and they hope that if it does change, or they believe that if it does change, then maybe I can get out of this. But here's the As far as we know, nothing changed, but he got out of it. So we need to understand that just because circumstances get better don't necessarily mean that the depression will go away. That it will end. David got out of depression not by hoping it would go away, but by thinking of where he was, being honest, and then looking outside of himself, not at the circumstances which would be even worse, but at a God who was above the circumstances. And that we will see. Not only do we find that he was depressed—the very word he uses—that he was cast down—but notice the second phrase and how. Disquieted. So he was disquieted. So he was downcast. He was also disquieted. And this other word describes the pain he felt. Uh, the word means disquieted, means to be in great commotion, tumult, or war. So his soul was at war. There was a battle going on, battle in his mind, battle in his heart, and forth. And he was this. There was just turmoil. Which, by the way, describes a depressed person. There's this battle going on. I know I need to do this. I don't want to do this. I know I should be doing this, but I don't want to do that. And I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit up. You know, woe is me. I just want to be alone. Leave me to myself. And that is where David is at. He says, look, I'm disquieted. I got this great commotion. I got this tumult. I'm uncomfortable. I'm not sleeping well. I don't sleep hardly at all. Uh, In fact, he describes that in this chapter. It's bad. You say, man, pastor, you're making me feel real good this morning. But you got to understand where he's at to understand that there's hope. And by the way, I think it helps us to see because a lot of people are this way in life. There are multitudes, there are are probably even maybe millions of people in America alone who are seeking help for depression. God has answers for it in his word. And what I find very telling in this passage is that David is describing someone who exactly would be described, as any psychologist would say, as someone who is down, despondent, who needs help. And he gets it. Not from professionals, but from God. And that's what he tells us. So here he is. He's disquieted. I have a couple things in the notes, and you didn't even have to write them in. But there are a couple things that we got to realize. First, Christians can get depressed, and they can be in despair. Anyone says, godly people never get depressed. Don't They've never read the Bible. They haven't. Elijah did. Elijah was depressed. No doubt about it. I'm all alone, Lord. It's just me. He was depressed. David was in this passage. He was in another passage we already mentioned in another psalm. There were other places. There was a time when uh, he his home in Ziklag was burned when he had, he was going to go and fight with the Philistines. Remember, and then he was sent back. His home had been uh, been burned with fire. The city had been. His, his family had been taken, and David was despondent. We would probably say, and maybe describe it as depressed. Maybe even this chapter was written as a result of, or an experience from that time. Don't know exactly when, because we're not told in this passage. But there were times in his life when he was down. I think we could argue that Job was depressed at least at some point when he was going through all the weight, the shifting sands of life. how man, the sand just piled on Job in about every area of life at one time. And here is a guy that was down about his circumstances and situations. So anyone that says, well, you shouldn't be depressed. And I've heard preaching. and, And sometimes preachers can get that way. God, you're not right with God if you get depressed. We don't find that in this passage. We find that God wants them to get out of it. So let's understand that Christians can indeed get depressed and be in a place of despair in life. But the second truth is this. You don't have to stay there. We're reminded of here in this chapter. Why are you dis- disquieted? Why are you depressed? You don't have to be this way. Hope in God. Uh, it is possible to get out of depression and, and turn from despair that is hounding your life. The third truth. And, uh, and I know I, I... You say, is it sinful to get professional help? It is if you don't look first to God. And quite honestly, you want to know who the best professional help can be to help you get out of depression is someone who knows God and loves God and will help you think about what the Bible says. Now look, you say, well, you, you Christians, you're too simplistic. You really believe the Bible has the answer for depression? Yes, but I don't believe it because I say so, because God says so. And David understood that truth. Why am I depressed? I don't have to be. Hope in God. He preaches that himself. This is a great self-preaching message. This is one of those messages. You know, you're driving in your car. You should just talk to yourself about hope in God. They say, "Well, you're being you're being way too simplistic." The determination, a Bible, and God is, sir. All right. Second truth: the conditions led to depression. He. It's about the conditions going on in his life. That's why we read the whole chapter. We could have preached just verse 5 and verse 11, which say basically the same thing. And then the next chapter, I think, in verse 5 as well. But look, there's a lot in this chapter that reveal things we need to know. Consider the the conditions that were going on. The depressed person often believes no one has it as bad as they do. Um, No one understands what I'm going through. Um, and if people would just understand, they would know why I feel the way I do, the way I'm acting the way I do, and they would understand why I don't want to do anything, I don't want to be with anyone, I just want to be by myself, and I don't want to I don't want to have I just don't want to be involved in life any longer. But you know, the fact is, and David reveals in this passage, no one needs to know how you feel to help you with depression. They don't. People don't have to grasp your struggle and feel your pain. Because no matter how big your problem is, God can help you out. And, and you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then just think about David in a situation. Look at some of these things. First of all, we have, we have, we'll call it internal perplexity. Why art thou cast down? And what did he say? Oh, my soul. In his mind, in his heart, in his thinking. His thinking was taking him down. We see that first of all. His thinking was taking him down. Now, we'll see this later. But your thinking not only will take you down, but your thinking can also lift you up. If you will think right, and that's what he talks about actually in this verse. Can you out of your funk unless you determine to pull yourself out with God's help. Seriously. Help a depressed person unless they're willing. you got to understand that your thinking is going to take you away from God. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why am I so depressed? Why, is, why am I so despondent? Why, why am I this way? Understand that your thinking will take you down. His emotions will the place. Look in verse 3. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? My tears have been my meat. You, you know what? He lost appetite. Now, some depressed people eat a lot. Some depressed people eat nothing. Just don't want. Uh, can be different situations. But this was his situation, so much so that he was a basket case. And I find this hard to, this is hard for a guy to admit, but he was just crying all the time. Guys don't like to admit that they cry in our society. And so I won't admit it this morning, but here's the truth. David was willing to say, you know what? I'm just all day. I'm I'm an emotional wreck. So he had problems with his thinking and his emotions were just messed up. You ever been there? Come on, seriously, this guy is depressed. Do do you see it? This isn't just, uh, he's just trying to help people who don't have big problems. No, he's got big problems. It it was his food. His food was, was his tear. It was, it was night and day. He lost sleep. He's not sleeping. He's not eating. He's just miserable all the time. And he's just emotional. So his emotions were just all over the place. And that describes again someone. That is a perfect description of someone who is, is so he had these internal things going on that and going on. But he also had external pressures, which is also true of someone who's in depression. So consider some of the external pressures. Look in verses 9 and 10 of this chapter. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So he had the enemy's oppression and reproach. The enemy's oppression and reproach. Look in verse 10. As with the sword, uh, as with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? And so his enemies were oppressing him, and they were reproaching him. Both their words and their actions toward him were negative. So that he say, you know, well, David, why are you depressed? Because, just because I, well, that might have been the case in some with some people. But consider this: pressure and his thinking and his motions were just a wreck. But he also had the external pressures of enemies who were constantly trying to oppress him and doing evil to him. And then they were saying the words, where is your God? Hey, look, we're succeeding and you're not. And here you are in misery and we can tell it. And it's, it was just pile on time. You know, always... Whenever I think about someone who's in, who's in trouble, I, always, I, I think of the days in football, you can't do it anymore. When you know they used to tackle a guy and then they called it piling on, sometimes they would even give a penalty for it. This is years ago when football was actually football, you know, when guys actually hit themselves hard, hit them hard and they didn't care if they hurt someone, you know, those kind of days. So once one guy was, was down, a lot of times like the rest, of the, half of the team would come and pile on. And so you know, it, it would be like we got to pull bodies apart in order to get down. It's like piling on, and that's what was going on in David's life. I mean, they were all piling on, and and not only were were their actions such that they were trying to do him evil, and it seems succeeding because they said, "Where's your God now? Look at look at what we're doing to you, and look how miserable you are. Where's your God?" And I'll tell you something that just hurts. When you got when you have problems already inside. And your heart is saying, man, God, where are you? That's how he felt. I, I, I'm all alone. I, I, man, I, here I am, and I got my, just ugh, wreck. My thinking is messed up. And now these people are doing me evil, and there's a God making me. Enemies, oppression, approach reproach. Now, this is really amazing. Go back to verses 3 and 4. Because you re- remember that verse, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is I gone? You say, well, that's that. No, it isn't. Look at verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with who? Do you want to know who was doing it as well? His church friends. Where's? Are you serious? Yeah, friends, failed and discouraged him. You know, it's one thing when the enemy comes up and questions where God is, but those he went to the temple with to worship with were saying the same thing. He didn't find help at church. Do, do, do you get that? In fact, he didn't. He wasn't even able to go. Um, probably describes a time. Again, we don't know exactly when it might have been. Time when being chased by Saul was no longer able to worship because well if he was found anywhere openly in Israel he was going to be fair game to be caught and he was going to be you know probably killed so his friends were failing him and discouraging him you know I never know who came up with the, the just children statement sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me because words hurt terribly and there's a lesson in this and A a sideline, you know, it could be a rabbit trail, but you need to be careful the words you share with people. You know, when someone's facing a surgery, can I tell you this? Don't tell them about your surgery and how miserable you were and how bad it was and how long it took for you to recover, and how sick and how like dead dog sick you were, and and how you were just in pain and everything. They don't need that. We need to be careful. What we tell people and, and what we do as believers, they need encouragement. Depressed people don't need need someone to tell them depressed. They need someone to come alongside and say, There's a God to hope in. Can I help? Yeah. Well, I had injury and I just about died and I was in misery for months, and they told me it just take a week or so. But man, I was sick. For a long time. I didn't want to know that. All right, just don't tell me about your experiences unless I ask. But even then, you know, I, God is good. Help me get through a rough time. But we just need an impact on it. David had friends, and his friends weren't helping him either. So let me ask you something. Does that, God, I'm telling you honestly, I'm depressed. And he has reason to be. Why this battle go on. This enemy again. well, you expect that. And they're saying, where is God? Isn't His friends say, you're God. So he's got both the pressures on the outside. Pressure and reproach. Friends were failing and discouraging him. And you're going to find this amazing, but God allowed the suffering. Well, God's abandoned me. He didn't say that in this chapter. And you say, well, well, Pastor, can you prove that? Yes, I can. Look at verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. He's talking to God. Do you see that in this verse? You know what David says? Here's my life, and Lord, your billows have gone over me. Now, there's a great word picture here you've seen waves come in, crash short. You ever see it like right before a storm or maybe even after a storm? Really intense and those those waves are just... <laughs> you ever seen real big waves? You ever been knocked over by one? You know the power of waves. That's what he uses to describe what God had done to him, it says, God, your billows, your waves have gone over me. They are crashing down on me. And this vivid word picture of some guy as he's like standing in, in water right at water's edge. And these waves are coming to crashing down and pulling him out to sea. And he is just, he's not having fun. This is not a game. This is not, hey, yeah, I really enjoy this time. This is a guy who's just being beat up by his circumstances, by a God who has allowed it to happen? All right. Are, are you Are you depressed yet? Did I, have I gotten you there? Okay. But do you do you understand that this man just talking about someone? Oh yeah, I have a few problems now, you know. And you just say, you know, get a life, David. No, this is a man who is is being beat down by God. He's being beat down by his friends. He's down by his enemies, and he's just a wreck. I'm glad we aren't stopping here because if we were, (laughs) I want to go out and shoot myself. You know, it's bad. Third thing, I want you to see the confidences which deal with depression and despair and give hope. The confidences which deal with depression and despair and give hope. Now look, David's in this place and what naturally and normally happens with someone when they're in such turmoil, they got the outward pressures of life that are all around them and they are over. I mean, just from every angle and I'm not finding help anywhere and no one's coming to my aid and no one's meeting with me and saying, I'd like to be a help and no one's patting me on the back. I am just alone. I am struggling. Here I am. I got all this. It seems like, and I know God, been allowed these things so why would God do that to me and I, I, I feel like he's abandoned me in some ways and so here's this guy he's got all that from the outside inside he's a wreck I can't sleep I can't eat my ears are my my food I just I am I'm a total emotional uh, wreck now if it ended there we'd be in, in trouble but rather than meditate on the bad situation, those who find victory over depression begin meditating on true things, and they begin exhibiting faith in God. So let me share some of the things that we find in this passage that are extremely helpful, and they're really answers, and that's why I wanted you to have it so you could write it down. First, thinking on God's character, thinking on character, look 5 and verse 11 once again they say in essence the same thing he says why art thou cast down in my soul and why art thou divided within me you don't have to be this way David why hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance thinking on his, God's character first thing under he does not you say well wait a second wait a second he just he was, no, no, in the midst of the billows God allowed, God did not abandon David. God didn't leave him alone. Um, at the end of verse 5, you say, where is the hope of that? For I shall yet praise him for the, notice these words, the help of his countenance. Uh, literally, the, the aid of God's face or the deliverance or the salvation of God's face. Now, that may sound strange to us, I know. But in Scripture, a number of times when it talks about God's face, it's it's talking about God's favor being turned to someone. So God turns His face away, and someone is in despair. God turns his face toward someone; His face is made known. It's as, as if God is showing His favor. And so here's what He says in this passage: How do you? Open it? What confidence can you have? It's that God is a God of character, and He never abandons His own. He never leaves them, he never forsakes them, and that's a New Testament promise we can claim from Hebrews 3, 13, 5 and 6, let your conversation without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will man shall do, talks about his situation here but he says hey look God won't abandon me I will I will have the help of his countenance. I am confident of that fact so I can hope in God because he will turn his face toward me God doesn't leave his own alone if you're depressed you don't have to continue in that state because God will turn his face and his favor towards you that is part of his character he does not abandon his own someone wrote a poem and and the words, I think, are wonderful. It said, O oh, child of God, were you sad today? Did his face seem hidden and turned? Did pain or sorrow your vision dim? Were your hands bereft of the touch of him? Think not, he covers his loving ear. Your song of praise he will quickly hear. But tones grown harsh with complaining care can scarcely rise on the wings of prayer. So great is his love for his foolish sheep. So careful the watch his angels keep. He will hear your voice if you softly call and thwart the force that would cause your fall. His gifts are good and his mercy sure. Rest on, beloved, in your faith secure. Till fears of the night have passed away and the gray sky gleams with the gold of day. But there's hope. But you gotta rest in and you gotta rely on and you gotta believe in a God who's also when we talk about God's character, he doesn't abandon his own, and he has been faithful in the past. Look in verse six. Oh my oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. There we have that discouraging, right? But notice what he says, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan. If um, if you were to take time, you'd probably have to read some commentators about this. They, they will help you to understand that these are different places where David was. We're not exactly sure about all of them, but there were times when David found encouragement from God, refreshment from God. So rather than meditating on how he felt and how people are saying, what David did, Think about God's character. He never abandons his own. He has been faithful in the past. So I can count on him now. That's why I need to hope in God. Because God is a God. His character does not change. He's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. So I can count on him. He's been faithful in the past. And in fact, when you're depressed, that's when you when you need to start thinking about the times when God has brought you through difficult times in the past. And remember that that God is still alive. He still cares, and he won't abandon you when you have needs. And that is the promise of this passage, and that is what gave David the reason to say, why are you depressed? Why are you despondent?" Hope in God, because God's character never changes. He's been faithful in the past. A preacher said this, Hope is the thing that turns the heart upside down in the middle of grief. Hope is the embers burning after the fire has gone out. Hope is the healthy fire when you have a flat. The above examples, he went on to say, our modern use of the word hope no longer carries the biblical notion. It now carries a heart cry of wimp anxious waiting, a child hope, hope shattered. An adult hopes his colonoscopy comes back with negative cancer results. But in neither of those hopes is there a promise. But when the Bible talks about hope, it carries certainty with it. And like faith, it's necessary that the one making the promises has the kind of character that can deliver on the promises. And my friends, the reason he said hope in God is because God's character is unchanging. Because God, has been faithful in the past, and because God always has been faithful, He will be faithful to you today, and you can hope in Him, and you can count on that. So remember God's character. Second truth, second thing that will help you, if you would, or confidences which will deal with the situation and help you have hope, is knowing that things will change. Now I know that when someone asks, that's about the last thing you think is possible, because you think, going to be this way in fact that's that's where we have people taking their lives and and people in so much distress today because they get to the place where there's just no hope anymore it can't change God says it can and notice what it says in verse 5 again hope thou in God but why because things are changing is that what he said look at verse 5 look at what he says hope thou in God For I, and these next few words are real important, shall yet praise him. All right, so what is he saying? Think about this. He's not saying things are changing, things are looking up, so I'm getting out of my depression. You know what he's saying? Someday things will change. Do you get that? I shall yet praise him. I am confident. Not that I see things changing right now, because he couldn't. People were still saying, "Where's your God?" I don't see him. So what was he saying? Here's the reason I'm hoping in God, because I know things will change. And for the Christian, even if even if you end up going through the valley of the shadow of death, I tell you this: things will change. No, it'll change tomorrow change in a month's time you think about David he was running for his life from Saul for a long time and he had a lot of difficulties in life he had some struggles quite a long time but there's the encouragement of knowing that things will change there's going to be a day when you'll praise the Lord someone said they felt the most comforting words of scripture what would you say are the most comforting words someone said when they were, were thinking about it it's these words, and it came to pass. The most comforting words of Scripture to them, and it came to pass. It's why those hope, worded, circle cannot last forever. Because even if they take us to the door of death, they can only usher us into the eternal presence of God. Things will change. Things will change. Well, I have terminal cancer. I have a terminal condition. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to survive. Things will change. There's going to come a day when you'll have a new body. My friend, you don't have to be controlled by depression. I will yet praise him. That's confidence you can have, knowing that things will change. So you think on God's character. He'll never abandon you. He's been faithful in the past. Know that things will change. Third thing, the confidence of God's compassion. Look in verse 8. This is beautiful. He says, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Now, no comes. Verse 7 says, Lord, these waves have just been passing over. they beating me down, and they are by your hand. He says, but God... Your loving kindness is known in the daytime, and your song is in the night. This verse 8 is like a, a ray of light in the midst of this of this chapter. It really is. Um, a preacher told, I explained it this way, told of a Peanuts cartoon where Lucy comes up to Charlie Brown, and she does something that she probably never did in any other time in, in, in any of the comic I love you to Charlie Brown. And he keeps responding as she says it. No, you don't. And every time she answers a little bit louder, you know, uh, you can do that.
1: Yes, I really do love you.
0: But Charlie Brown has been rejected so many times he keeps saying it can't be true. In the last square, Lucy has reached the limit of her patience. You know how she was, right? She screams out in a loud voice, hey, Blockhead, I love you. And the preacher then said, I wonder if God has to do that. You mean, he said, I I wonder, you know, what is it going to take for God to get through to us? Does he have to yell out, hey, blockhead, I love you. In depressing times, it's easy to forget that God does love us. But here's what he said, the Lord will command, and this is great, God will command this, his loving kindness to be yours in the daytime. So think about this. David could be yelling out here, God, you love me. Um, And he reveals when God's love is known. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Isn't that beautiful? So during the daytime, what do I need? Loving kindness. All day, loving kindness. That's what God shows. All day, loving kindness. And then all night, keeping me up at night okay then what does god give a song yeah have, have you ever been there where you were just really stressed out about something i and like, like being kept and then just i don't know maybe maybe a verse of scripture but but then i've had it happen a, a few times where just a song comes to mind Song of the Christian faith that teaches a, a truth, and it's kind of like you start to think of the words and and the wonderful promise, and it and it's and it's encouragement to your heart when you're you're just really sh- stressed about the things that you, and you can't go and talk to anyone in the middle of the night. Although today people text in the middle of the night, in. Um, but that's another. But um, you know, it's just this this beautiful picture. Of the, when no one else is there and available, God has a song. God, loving kindness, it's just there all the time. And I in that fact, God, God, song wants to give me in my heart to help ease through the day. So I need to think on God's character. I need to know that things will change. I need to have confidence in the promises of God's compassionate care. But in verse 8, there's something else. And he says, and my prayer uh, and my prayer unto the God of my life, the consolation of prayer, the consolation of prayer. The song has, it seems, ends up being the prayer the heart of David to God. Look, he gave me this song, and I'm just going to sing this song, and I'm going to pray to you uh, to make it known. Uh, and it's, uh, it's not the only mention of prayer in this song. Look, if you went at verse six, he says, "Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me." After he, after he talks to himself in verse, five, he talks to God. In verse six, Lord, here's so this consolation of prayer is brought out throughout. Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, "This I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go; my own wisdom and that of of all about me seemed insufficient." And I want you to know that the discouraging, depressing, depressing, distressing times of life are to be a reminder to us to pray because others may not have the answers and we may not have the answers, but God does. Others may not be able to help us. We may not be able to help ourselves, but God can. The consolation of prayer. So think on God's character. Know that things will change. Have confidence in the promise of God's compassionate care. Make use of the consolation of communion with God. So let me give you, and I know, got to end, the conduct that defeats depression and despair. Let's just take the passage and let's think it through, okay? The conduct that defeats depression and despair. One, do not ignore or abandon your relationship with God, thirst for it. These are important things. Do not ignore or abandon your relationship with God, thirst for it. You know what often happens? We shamefully, but if you look at verse one, find these words. As the heart panted the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So, here's a truth that's got to be understood. Depressed people don't want to go to church. Depressed people don't want to be around God's people. Depressed people don't want to read their Bible. Depressed people just want to just escape from life all. but that is not the answer my change and here need to happen the first is you can't ignore or abandon your relationship with God if anything you got to for it his passion was for God after God and even though it seemed like God was sending these storms and crashing down on him although it seemed like God abandoned him and his friends were saying that it's were saying that and although he had the pressures from all the people without he never lost his friends if we're going to overcome and if we're going to win the victory over the, ty- the depressing times in life you got to keep that passion for God I'm not going to stop reading my Bible I'm not going to stop going to church I'm not going to stop doing those things that I know are going to help me be closer to God because being close to God is where depression is defeated Hope thou in God. Do not ignore or abandon your relationship with God. Thirst for it. Number two, take an honest look at your condition. Take an honest look at your condition. And I don't have any problems at all. No, David was honest about this. I mean, very honest. But look to God to deliver. Take an honest look at your condition, but look to God to deliver. Hope in him by bringing your thinking into captivity. Bringing your thinking into captivity. So take an honest look at your condition. But God to deliver. Hope in him by bringing your thinking into captivity. What kind of things? Remember that God will assuredly work in his time. Assuredly work in his time. A time when you can praise him. There will. If that's when you see him face to face because takes you through the portal of death or if sometime later on God turns things the tide and turns things around in your life you'll have a time where you can praise him so God will assuredly work Uh, the second thing to to think on in captivity ponder God's past faithfulness think about what he's done not about what's going on right now and all the pain that you feel ponder God's past faithfulness verse 6 God work number one ponder God's Ask faithfulness, verse 6. And then, number 3, look for his loving kindness and song in the midst of your heartache. Look for his loving kindness and song in the midst of your heartache, verse 8. So take an honest look at your condition. But understand this. God is able to deliver. So hope in him. Bring your thoughts into captivity. God will assuredly work. God has been faithful in the past. God he'll love me tonight, he'll give me a song, his loving kindness and song. So then the last thing, pray fervently, honestly, confidently, continually through the struggle. Pray fervently, honestly, confidently, continually. Shouldn't have left all those things off, should I? But I'm going to say it again. Pray fervently, honestly, confidently, continually. And you'll see that. Read through the chapter. Throughout your struggle, do that. Fervently, honestly, confidently, continually. Be honest with him. God, I'm hurting. I, verse 6a is amazing. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down. With him. Lord, I am depressed. You know it? I know. Be honest with him. Come to him, lastly, whenever you're needy. Look, we can't ignore the importance of action. This person is going and they need to... But really, this is is kind of when you're there. And right at the start, when you find that you are depressed, there's hope in God. There's hope in God. And it's my prayer that this chapter would be an out of funk of depression. depression will take you down. Um, Hope thou in God, for I shall please him. For the help of his guidance. What a great God we serve. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With headsbound, I'm not the question this morning is not, are you depressed? Have you ever been depressed? The question is, have, have you learned something from God's word today that have been a challenge to you? And with his grace, will you seek to apply those things to your life when you're facing difficult days? If that's your prayer, if God's spoken to you today, would you be willing to just say that, Pastor? God has spoken to you, so it's his word today. Help me think on some things, and by his grace, I'm going to use what I've learned today. Great, good, excellent. Say that. Wonderful. There are they are assuredly going but there is a God who is bigger than our problems who will meet the need because He's a faithful God Father the hands and I'm thankful great encouragement to me this whole chapter and just be reminded that I don't have to live controlled by circumstances of life and that though depression may come despair may come Desolation may come. It doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to be something that can be my life. in God, and I pray, would find that sweet times. Whenever they will find that hope in God that's promised in this passage, help them to put into practice these truths that we learn in this psalm. And I will thank you for it in Christ's name. Now, would you just stand to your feet and just have a invitation, just a verse or so of the song as he begins to play it right now. Maybe there's just something you need to the Lord about and leave with him. Maybe you're facing some. Maybe there's just some things you need to talk to him about and commit to him that you haven't been trusting him in. And he spoke to you today place Just forward just take a few moments, talk to the Lord and leave this having talked with him about the things he's spoken to you about I am so thankful that I had the opportunity today to present your word and your truth that gives hope to people who are depressed and down. And I am thankful that, that there is hope in God. And I pray that your people would have Christians, though they may in that place, come out through the wonderful promise of scripture and because they thirst after you and long for you and they look to you and we'll thank you for what you'll do thanks for the great hope there is in God in Jesus name amen you're dismissed